It's the same reason why people would have originally used a credit card to free up your cash flow. The only difference I can say is that within buy now, pay later, it's not made to, for you to go out and max up. Hey everyone, it's Sally and thanks for joining us for another episode of Pocket Money, the show for people who want to shop smart. In today's episode, we're digging into the fast-moving world of buy now, pay later. Whether you've chucked some of your retail therapy on Afterpay or seen ads for ZipPay or Klarna uh, while you're at the checkout at the shops, you've probably come across Buy Now, Pay Later at some point over the last few years. I know I have. Today, I'm chatting with Jonathan Kelly, the Chief Growth and Innovation Officer for Flexi Group formerly of Zip and PayPal, so he definitely knows what he's talking about. We're going to be chatting about how these services work, how they've changed over the last few years, and how they've impacted how we handle our money, as well as some of the critiques that we've seen on Buy Now, Pay Later uh, in the headlines. Almost 2 million Australians had used Buy Now, Pay Later services, according to some research released by Roy Morgan in November last year and young Australians are the most likely to shop with them. Almost 56% of Buy Now, Pay Later users are aged between 14 and 34, with the biggest chunk of those users being between 25 and 34, so me. Not everyone is a massive fan of Buy Now, Pay Later, though. Some of these services have been critiqued for fostering poor budgeting habits recently, These services also fall outside of regular credit and financial regulation, which led to a Senate inquiry last year and some involvement by ASIC. This conversation gave me a lot of great insight about how this industry works and how it's changing how we handle our finances. So whether you're a big fan of these services and use them all the time, or you've never even tried one, you'll definitely learn something. This episode of Pocket Money is presented by Bundle the Buy Now Pay Later app that works for everything, everywhere, wherever MasterCard is accepted. Bundle gives you two weeks to pay, interest-free, and has built-in budgeting tools to help track your spending. Head to bundle.com.au, that's B-U-N-D-L-L.com.au to check it out. Welcome to Pocket Money, Jonathan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Sally. So today we're going to be talking a lot about the buy now, pay later movement that's happening in the world of finance. But for some of our listeners out there who might not know what that is, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what buy now, pay later is and how it works? Yeah, no worries. I mean, uh, buy now, pay later really kind of emerged its head in, in Australia probably back in 2015, 2016. And basically what it did is it gave uh, customers a clear alternative to a standard credit card with the ability to know that they'd never have to pay interest uh, to fund one of their purchases. Right. And it's kind of like you buy something and then it's split into like kind of like installment payments, right? Well, you can see various different models have popped up around the world. Um, not all of them are installment models. Um, mm-hmm. Some are like rolling account models, like uh, for instance, uh, 
bundle our new product, doesn't put it on an installment schedule. It basically allows the customer to then um, bundle up their transactions and pay off each fortnight, but kind of at their pace. Zip does it the same way, but probably the one that brings the most uh, amount of noise to the market is obviously the success of Afterpay, and their model does um, break it into four equal installments. And so oftentimes I find people associate the buy not pay that market with their particular model. But I've seen models coming up, but you're doing 10 weekly payments, six weekly payments, 10 fortnightly payments. Fundamentally, every model does follow the same kind of ethos, though, which is it will never charge compound interest to a customer. And it usually always is a very simple digital sign-up process. It's not very tedious, um, like it would be potentially for a regulated credit card. I just wanted to talk a little bit about how people are using these services to budget and handle their finances. We, we thought a lot about that when we created Bundle, and I can't speak to every other uh, merchant that's out there. But basically, if you fundamentally think about the way that a credit card is devised and issued to a consumer, it is basically done to try to get that consumer to roll, right? So I need that consumer to pay interest. And... When that came out, then you know, the banks and everybody else then started creating all these platforms for points, right? So get that person, they put more on the credit card, we get more points, but the more you put on the credit card, the more chance you'll have to roll on the compound interest. However, Buy Not Pay works in a completely different form. Buy Not Pay doesn't work if you roll. It only works if you pay it back. So the risk algorithms and the way in which customers come on to the products like Zip and Bundle and Home and Afterpay is all kind of say, no, we need you to pay us back, Sally. I don't want you to roll. So from a budgeting standpoint, you're going to get a text message. You're going to get a push notification. You're going to get a reminder. There's going to be an automatic direct debit set up to your account so that you pay back on time, which isn't how a credit card works. Um, we've also then taken that kind of to another next level with our, with our new product bundle, where we actually put budgeting uh, tools within the app. So you can set a weekly budget. You can even set a category budget. So, you know, it kind of shocked me when I did it uh, on my bundle account to look at how much I was actually spending on food, three coffees every day, uh, lunch, you know, then a pizza for the kids uh, on the weekend. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm spending $250 a week just on food. So we wanted to put those tools in the hands of the consumer, but fundamentally when it comes down to budgeting, all the inherent products within Buy Now Pay Later are almost set up as a budgeting tool to try to get you to pay back on time and not prolong that money and put it into compound interest, um, where a credit card would probably have a, a slightly different uh, tact on how they're doing budgeting. So you were talking about how credit cards make money. So how do these Buy Now Pay Later services make money if it isn't through interest and how is that different, say, from a credit card? So the original kind of way in which the buy now pay letters went to the market to make money is they charged a merchant service fee. Every buy now pay later product that's out there today, except for bundle, relies on what we call a closed loop um, system. So I walk into Cotton On, we talk to them, they sign a merchant service agreement with us, and then we agree on a price in which every transaction that uh, is going to take place on our product, on their website or in their store, occurs a merchant service fee. And then in return for that, they expect that you're going to have a higher average transaction order and you're going to have a um, higher conversion rate to do that. So that's fundamentally where the money takes place. Mm -hmm. However, it's also changed um, in landscape as well because we very much view Bundle more as a marketplace than as a merchant service fee. So we actually drive customers through our, our individual marketplace on Bundle and then that goes out to affiliate networks and we can prove that that bundle or that sale was done through bundle on their website, mm -hmm. then the affiliate fees might come back to us and pay us, you know, 1.5%, 4% or whatever it might be, whatever that 
um, merchant was willing to pay for that sale. That's the main way. Now, there are a few others. Obviously, at the end of the day, especially within models, probably like a home or an afterpay, late fees do drive uh, revenue. That's not good revenue. We don't want that revenue. Um, but our customers will get charged a late fee um, if they don't pay on time. Um, and the third one, then, is whether or not the customer would have what we'd call a monthly fee. So at Zip, obviously, they're going to charge a $6 monthly fee, I believe, on the Zip Pay product. Um, so if you have a balance at the end of the month and you don't pay it off in full, always free if you pay off in full, but if you carry a balance, they'll charge you that flat fee. Um, and then we, we created what we call the snooze fee within bundle. So rather than just charging an automatic fee for our customers, we did a lot of research on it. We said, well, if you wanted more time and you knew the fee was always flat, would you be more inclined to just say, all right, I'd rather just pay a $5 flat fee and move my payment out two weeks rather than charging our late fee. That came back with a resounding yes. Most customers said, very fair. We understand exactly what you're doing. We understand that we're paying for a little extra time and we know we can never get in trouble because it's only ever going to be $5. So those are kind of your fee mixtures. Merchant fees are the first one, a bit of late fees, affiliate fees, um, and then whether or not that customer decides to, to push payments or have some type of an account fee put on. But it's always standard and never, never any um, actual compound interest. So what are the types of, or who are the types of people that are using buy now, pay later, and who doesn't? The market assumed that the people who are playing buy now, pay later with kids with skateboards and didn't have a job. That's not the case. I always get sick of people talking about the millennial market. I'm like, <laughs> millennial market is the biggest market in Australia. So you know, the big booners and Gen X have to realize that the point system is dead. That this is the core market. And if you kind of break it down into that, those groups, I think you find three distinct areas. The first one is always what I call uh, the digital native. So the digital native is just like, I grew up in a digital world. I don't want friction. Tell me what it is. Let me sign up. And if I like it, I'll keep using you, right? Now, this particular cohort of customers are probably the most ardent and anti-credit card. So even putting a credit card application um, form in front of these guys would be something that would put them in kind of a, a hot frenzy. Like they would never want to do it. So that's that first cohort. 18 to 32, digital native, um, probably making around you know 80K a year or something like that. Um, the second one, though, and this is actually the largest one and probably the one that drove buying an operator to what I call the, the, the heights where it's at. It's what I call the savvy spend. And it's um, massively female skewed. They might have a credit card, but they've actually stopped using the credit card and just completely moved all of their spending over to buying an operator. So my wife is the perfect example. She fits within the millennial age group and she has a credit card. She has no balance on the credit card it's paid off every month but good luck getting her to try to use it anymore she only uses after paying bundle and that's it right so it used to be like the bane of my existence when i worked at zip i tried to get her to use zip but she's like but, but after pay is just so easy and so she still uses after pay and then obviously since we launched bundle so basically she's thrown away her debit card she only uses bundle and doesn't use a credit card at all and then uses Afterpay for plenty of purchases as well and what they basically looked at was kind of the thing that i always kind of come back to and I've got two kids and, you know, they get their weekly pocket money. And, uh, you know, if they said, Dad, I want to buy something. I, I go, yeah, it's fine. Well, you get your $10 allowance at the end of the week, but it costs 20 bucks. Well, did I tell my son, well, I'll lend you the $20, but if you don't pay me back by Friday, I'm going to start charging you compound interest at 23.6% daily until you pay me back. And he just looks at me with this blank stare. If I say, okay, what I can do, I can do it in three different ways. You can just pay me back in full um, next week. Or you can pay me $5 each week and still keep $5. And that's basically all we're doing with buying out there for that savvy spender group. It's interesting. Well, this is an easier way to understand my finances outside of the traditional compound interest rate. And that cohort of customers is what has driven, in my opinion, 
by now put that into the heights it is today. And I mean, I can look at our, our initial uh, stats after being in the market for five weeks on bundle, it's 70% female because they just get to buy a proposition and they're like, yeah, it's just a smarter way to spend and, and budget. Then the last one then, and, and this is how you really knew that it was going up the, the growth curve and starting to become something quite uh, massive in Australia, was in young families. So these were people that were on credit cards, um, used credit cards, but then again started to, to stop using their credit cards quite so much. And what I always call it to say is that this particular group never really got the points part of it. I mean, I always say the same thing. I pay, I don't know, 300 bucks a year for an Amex card. And if I use it every day, I get a free toaster. And that's what I <laughs> the points, right? That particular customer just kind of said, well, wait a second, should I be using something different um, as a young family? You know, I'm paying school fees. I'm still going to take my kids and my family on a holiday. I got a, a mortgage and I'm paying my car off. And that, that quarter of customers, again, started to use buy now, pay later um, as well. That's so interesting, but it seems like at the core, they're all using these services to free up their cash flow, right? Yeah, 100%. That's the same reason why people would have originally used a credit card was to free up your cash flow. The only difference I can say is that within buy now, pay later, it's not made to, for you to go out and just max out. So I, I will sign up for a credit card and max out $5,000 in a month, right? That can't happen in a buy now, pay later scenario. You could potentially max out your spend but the limits are usually start off quite lower and you're building up your trust score with the company as you go through that journey and they start to then you know allow you to potentially spend more over time this episode of pocket money is presented by bundle bundle lets you buy now pay later everywhere mastercard is accepted from coffee to fuel to groceries and clothes bundle gives you two weeks to pay interest-free and the one-time snooze feature offers the ability to delay your repayment date by an additional fortnight for free. You can even earn additional snoozes by referring your friends to the app. Learn more at bundle.com.au. That's B-U-N-D-L-L.com.au. Now back to the show. So at this point in the episode, we like to shake things up a little bit by playing a game of overrated or underrated. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'll give you a topic and then you tell me if you think it's overrated or underrated. And it's a little bit of a rapid fire round, but feel free to explain uh, your choice. First on the top, Elon Musk, overrated, underrated? Underrated. Ooh, tell me why. I just think when I, when I look at the things that he does and the way that he thinks um, and the stuff that he says, oftentimes we think it's provocative at the time, um, but then it usually comes to fruition within a few years. So yeah, I think he's underrated. Okay, living in the U.S., overrated, underrated? Oh, overrated. <laughs> Tell me why. I want to know. Our producer is from the States, so. I've been here for 20 years, and I'm not looking to, I'll, I'll never look to move back. I think we live in the best country in the world. Australia is an absolute beauty of a country, so I say overrated. I still have family back home, so i, I got to be careful what I say. But uh... <laughs> True, you'll go home for like a family event. They're like, oh, no, I heard what you said. And what about Sweden? Oh, my wife's Swedish, so I'm actually underrated as well. Sweden's a beautiful country. We go there usually uh, every couple of years, so I'd have to say underrated um, uh, on that one. Got to keep my wife happy. <laughs> Smart man. And next one, what kind of bear is best? Bundle bear. <laughs> I knew it. I was kind of hoping that you would say, like, polar bear or something just to throw me off you had a lot of fun with that so obviously you'll see the the, the character of the bundle bear kind of come out so 
he's an Australian bear, which we don't have, but he always longs to go back to Canada, right? So his favorite artist is like Brian Adams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of stuff our marketing team has been doing with him that it's really, we'll, we'll see over the, the coming weeks and months that we're really kind of bring the character to life. But uh, yeah, I, I got to go bundle bear. <laughs> I love that. Can't wait to find out more. And what would you say is the most underrated TV show to binge? But you can never go wrong with Seinfeld, so I suppose. Seinfeld, he reruns, would go on forever. So I'd say that's underrated. It's a timeless classic. So I think every kid should have to watch that, even if they uh, didn't grow up with Seinfeld or not. So I'd say <laughs> I completely agree. I feel like maybe that should be rolled out into the curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that brings us to the end of the overrated, underrated portion of the show. Thanks for playing. No worries. That was too painful. <laughs> Damn it. We'll have to make them harder next time. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the psychology behind these services because I think that is a big reason why they have been so popular, especially among younger people. So, yeah, what's some of the the thoughts behind that, especially like breaking down payments or having payback periods that make it so appealing when it comes to like the psychology of dealing with our money? First and foremost, I think oftentimes it can be daunting when you go through any time of application with your actual bank, right? So if you get a car loan, if you get a credit card, if you get a mortgage, most of your interactions are, are somewhat daunting. Um, and I just think that the way that Buy Now, Pay Later takes technology, understands algorithms, and builds out the onboarding journey or, or the sign-up journey, so to speak, it's done in a way that seems um, not daunting for the consumer. Um, so I think that's first one. It's almost kind of like it's a, it's, it's a warm welcome when you come in, right? Um, you kind of understand why they're asking me the questions. You know, I, mean, I, I think Larry Diamond pocketed the, the, the phrase, so I don't take credit for it. But it was like, you can sign up with this ever in your head or in your pocket. It doesn't take anything more than that, right? That starts off with that particular side of things. And then the other one is in what I always call is this the instant approval or instant knowing. So it's either declined or you're approved. Now, those are declined probably have a different view, but those who are approved, it's like, okay, well, that was really easy. So you almost kind of start the journey off with, I thought it might be a little bit harder. It wasn't. I then was approved and it's like, it's kind of like this really nice surprise and you can see it. We did a lot of research uh, when I was at uh, PayPal and used to actually look at people when they clicked on the screen. And even though when they hit the PayPal button and they knew the transaction was going to go through, the moment that it did, it was almost like that. Ah, they were like really, really excited about that happening. And I think that and kind of equate that back to the way you sign up to, for buy now, pay later, is that it's just quite easy when you go through and then when you get approved, it's like, okay, that, that was that was something that was enjoyable and, and uh, easy to do. And I think you are dead right. The second piece then is just around the way in which the buy now, pay later services keep you up to date and keep you on track of where you're going to be and don't just give you more money, right? So, I mean, probably I'd say, you know, one of the biggest questions that we get oftentimes when we launch bundles, can I have my money? And we're like, well, no, <laughs> you, know, you can't, right? So, you know, you've signed up, that's it. You know, prove yourself, make sure you're good um, with your money, and then you can potentially get more. And then I think the other thing is in around automatic direct debits from your account. So, you know, if you're trying to pay your credit card, you got to go into your bank, you got to transfer the money over, or you got to go through BPAY, or those types of things. There's always an action. I mean, obviously, you can set up um, automatic direct debit, but, you know, how much have I spent? What's my cycle? Whereas, Buy now, pay later, you already know. So it's it's a, it's automatically going to hit my account on this day and they're going to pull the money. So it's the way in which we 
uh, by an operator that takes the money out of your account as well in a more seamless way than traditional cars. So let's say those three things. These services have been used very widely, but they've also been critiqued quite widely as well. Um, you know, there was the Senate inquiry last year and, you know, we've probably all seen countless articles about how these services, you know, maybe teaching young people bad budgeting habits. How do you respond to that argument? We welcome any regulation or oversight over, over the industry um, from, from our lens at Flexi, you know, at Flexi Group. Yeah, we've signed up to the Buy Now Pay Letter Code of Conduct. Um, that's part of that as well. So the last thing anybody wants to do is uh, kind of go out and uh, put consumers uh, in, in a bad situation. But I think ultimately, it's consumer demand that's driving the influx of buy now pay later, not the other way around. So, and I think the other thing is that oftentimes I find people get confused around buy now pay later and what I would call payday lending. Buy now pay later is nowhere close to payday lending. You know, we're not looking to do any of that. Where as a payday lender is going out, and if you don't pay it back within the 60-day week window, you're getting charged like 40 or 50 percent, you know, compound interest or whatever they're going to do to get you to pay the money back. So. I think there's a bit of, often was a bit of confusion at the beginning around what is a payday lender and what is a buy now pay later customer. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think we'll be tightly coupled with regulation. We welcome it from our end. Um, we want to make sure that everybody that comes on has a great experience with us, uh, our services, um, and is done in an ethical way that doesn't get the consumer in trouble. And we did talk about how, you know, some of the core users of these programs are using uh buy now pay later to free up their cash flow which like we said people have been doing with credit cards for a long time this is just a a bit of a new way but do you think that this model is actually compatible with good financial management 100 percent. yes i do i would look at it this way so at the end of the day i would have used my credit card for one reason and one reason only and that was just the fact that i got forty five days before i didn't pay it off so i basically just use a credit card put it on there when i wanted to and then paid it all off for five days so i'm doing the exact same thing as the buy now pay later user would be doing as well in relation to cash flow management and then after buy now pay later came up and obviously uh, being in the industry, I started using that in my credit card less, but effectively it was doing the same thing. The argument in some ways I find somewhat of a straw man. So would it be a better argument to put them onto a credit card and that's a better way to do your financial management than doing buy now, pay later? I don't think that argument stacks up per se. So just because they signed up for buy now, pay later doesn't mean they wouldn't have gotten a credit card either. They just chose not to sign up for the credit card and use buy now, pay later you know, when they go out to, in relation to, to their budgeting and how they're going to keep track of their funds. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it's like regardless of which one you are using, as long as you're using them responsibly and paying them back, then yeah, they can be just another another budgeting tool. Let's say if you are using one of these services and then you don't pay it back and it gets to the point where it becomes like, say, a serious credit infringement, how can like the misuse of these services affect your credit score so that people know and they know to to use them properly. Yeah, I mean, that that will all come down to each individual organization and their arrears and uh, uh, write-off policies. So I can't say how each and every one would do it. Obviously for us, we try to make it, we have financial hardship uh, available for our customers. So if that were to come to fruition, um, trying to work out a way for them to pay it back. The last thing that you want to do is have somebody um, get a black mark or something on their file. So it all just comes down to the way in which the individual provider looks at that, the customer that's had those issues, and then, you know, takes appropriate action. I mean, obviously for us, as, as I said, 
um, you know, we'll, we'll give you a call. We don't sell your, your, your stuff off to a debt collection agency. We, we want to try to work with you to, to come up with a, you know, revised payment plan if we can. Obviously, the moment you go into arrears, you stop from spending. So we don't let customers keep spending if something happened on an original payment. Um, then we do have the appropriate means for, you know, financial hardship um, if that particular customer does need it or something's happened to them that's uh, caused them to go into some sort of financial strife. That's cool. And with the rise of buy now, pay later, we've also seen it's almost like as that goes up, credit cards go down, which I think is really interesting. How do you think that credit cards and some of those more traditional forms of payment, uh, even payday loans, will be impacted in the long term? Oh, I think this is the new normal. I think it would be massively impacted. I mean, you can look at all the RBA data in relation to credit card transactions. So what you'll find is that um, with the increased use of bond-operator, also increases the use of, of debit cards, right? So the majority of customers that are using bond-operator usually link a debit card up to that uh, particular um, vehicle. So it, it, I think it is a continual decline of credit cards in the market. And as I said, I think there'll be a bit of consolidation, but just uh, more and more customers that are becoming more comfortable, more confident, and wanting to use you know, they're buying an operator service of choice or multiple ones of choice um, wherever they want to and that uh, just be restricted um, uh, with where it's available. Yeah, and the frequent flyer space in the credit card market is still pretty huge. So what about people who aren't using their cards necessarily to free up cash flow? They're using them to earn points. Do you think that rewards and buy now, pay later will ever kind of you know, team up and work together and start capturing some of those people too? No, I don't actually. So the reason the point systems work on the airlines is effectively the credit card companies buy the points from the airlines. And then because there's so much money within people not paying back off that they're rewarding with, basically it's just a reward system to try to get you to spend more to get a fictional thing, which is points, right? And find out later is set up in a much more streamlined way in relation to the way that the margins and economics work that it doesn't have all that fat down here on the bottom, um, like a credit card portfolio would have to go spend it, try to get you to have different products or points that you could offset uh, with your spend. So I don't see airline points probably in the initial phase being something. I mean, for me personally, if I was going to buy a pair of new Adidas trainers, I'd rather just get 5 or $10 cash back on it than you give me 2,000 points on, on Qantas or Virgin, right? Like it's, it's, it's actually worth, tangibly, it's just worth more to me. So yes, I, I think that's the way that the space, and that's that's where the space will go, um, rather than uh, looking at uh, a points-based system. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because we are seeing that kind of gap in the credit card market right now. Like, cashback is huge in the U.S. and say in Singapore and some places overseas, um, but in Australia, it's just not really there in the credit card market, like nothing that's super competitive anyway. So it will be very interesting to see, yeah, some of those services coming into play in that space. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. I have learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for uh, talking to us today. And uh, let me know if there's anything else you need. Of course, anytime. Thanks again to Bundle for their support of this episode of the podcast. Head over to bundle.com.au, that's B-U-N-D-L-L to sign up and start keeping a closer eye on your spending. Thanks for listening to Pocket Money from Finder. 
Head over to finder.com.au slash podcast for the show notes for this episode. The Finder podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions. Although we're licensed and authorized, we don't provide financial advice. So please consider your own situation or get advice before making any decisions based on anything in our show. Thanks for listening.